0: Today on The Big Inside, you're beautiful. No, really, you're gorgeous. Inside and out, just as you are. Well, you don't believe me? Well, then let me mansplain it to you. No matter what people say, no matter how hard we work, we're always driven crazy by wanting our bodies to look different. But that body dysmorphia is not a debilitating personal state. It's not just a debilitating personal state. We're talking about how our culture's crazy ideals create problems, and maybe sometimes solutions, that actually shape a lot more than just our figure. Joined by author and social theorist Megan Dietz, we're intersecting your physical with your political today in a discussion that, fair warning, may F you up the f-word here being obviously feminism now that half the listeners have turned off the show uh the work for your ears begins right now it's another monday night somewhere wait wait that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense uh, I, i guess it's time once again for the big inside love how my error on the opening was an important sentence. That's how I do. Anyway, broadcasting from the world-famous Public Alley 701 in the feminist city of Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Christian mady a.k.a. XN, and this is The Big Inside, an ongoing discussion that intersects and connects what transforms the body with what transforms the world, and then turns them both inside out. We're all about the conversation, not the education, but with our luck, you'll probably end up learning something along the way. Joining me again this week in the sidecar, Nick Fave. Entrepreneur and Wonderkin, owner of Say Sports. Hey, Nick, how you doing, man? You, you are you there? Are you muted or oh, say something? Yeah, this is. <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> wow, wow, you're off the sidecar. You're done. No more. Uh, I, yeah, no. I know. I, I, but by the way, I really appreciated your input on the last episode where everything just went batshit left, and I loved it. It was phenomenal. Um, Sounds good. <laughs> are you are you gonna be part of the master race that he was genetically engineering? I don't think I'll make the cut. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to put in the, the application. Anyway, today on The Big Deal. <laughs> totally. Actually, do we have any announcements? No, not, no real announcements. Uh, Today on The Big Deal. Hey, you ever look in the mirror and was just like, the fuck? I mean, like, you know, you're going to the gym or whatever, exercising, and you're tinkering in your kitchen, and you're dedicated to a regimen of quote-unquote fitness, But then what you see is just not what you think you want. It's demotivating. It's frustrating. And it it makes us act out. Often in our frustration, we're prone literally to abusing our bodies in the name of getting some certain aesthetic. As a clinical chronic uh, condition, this phenomena is called body dysmorphic disorder. It's an anxiety condition and legitimately diagnosed as a specific type of obsessive compulsive disorder. That's the low budget science speak for the fact that there are some biological rewiring that does occur for those who suffer this disorder. You not only literally cannot comprehend the state of your body, you meanwhile also kind of can't control yourself in trying to force it to be something you're obsessed with. Now, this is an idea very familiar with most of the people who listen to the show, who live, who go to the gym. How often have you looked at your hard work and just felt discouraged rather than proud and satisfied? Yet, I just got to be clear, a temporary moment of negativity, that's common. I mean, everyone has a bad day. It does not unto itself, you know, dictate that you have a full-blown psychological disorder. Yet, as much as we could do a whole show, probably dozens of shows, unpacking the effects and influences of full-blown diagnoses of BDD, that is not quite where we're going to go today. Instead, we're looking at how that idea of demanding our body be something else plays it out in society. We're taking the socio-political route, folks. Believe it or not, as a personal struggle as this is, it is not something that just pops up magically inside your head. It's often, and probably predominantly, caused by societal messages and norms that are so prevalent, so common, most of us don't even realize they exist. Messages that are both subtle and sometimes overt, that idealize certain standards of the body and negate others, they're just so woven into our social dialogue that we've grown accustomed to their noise and and their insistence to where, you know, sometimes we don't even realize they're influencing us at all. Likewise, when we participate in that game, i.e., when we start getting overbearing and forcing ourselves to acquire some body ideal with training, with exercise, with diet, whatever, we start forcing, we're actually contributing to that social noise. Basically, coming or going, our society helps you get head fucked. That's basically the bottom line. It helps you go crazy with your body. How do we find sanity? Some of us do, many do, some don't, who knows? So, many of our listeners are probably, you know, like I said, involved with the, I don't know, with the bodybuilding or the strength competing or whatever it is. And they're literally, de- those sports are literally defined by chasing a physical standard and then surpassing that standard. So, ironically, many of our male listeners may be far more informed on these ideas of body dysmorphia and how it can screw with your life than maybe other subsets of men, which is kind of why we're approaching it from this angle. But while men of physique sports may be more familiar with the ideas of the dysmorphia and all that, they're not necessarily always that much more empathetic. Well, maybe we'll discuss that as well. It causes social impact, and it's kind of a foreign taboo to go there, even for men who are aware of it. However, and this is why our guest is here, women on the other hand, well, they more often tend to be right there with that impact. Regardless of your political inclinations, regardless of the degree of conservative or liberal thinking, you'd be hard-pressed to find a woman who not only agrees that society places a heavy burden on standardized physique aesthetics, but that it is also a massively influential problem in our culture. This is, It's not a gendered problem. I mean, it, like I just said, it affects men, it affects women, but there's no doubt Women, you yeah, know, I think we can arguably say have received the brunt of the problem over history. And this is where today's guest, Megan Dietz, comes in. Megan is an author of the book, Be, ah, Let me, I just screwed up your book title, Megan, I'm sorry, Be Less Crazy About Your Body. I apologize, the script writing is a, is a, is a shit show always. <laughs> the book is Be Less Crazy About Your Body. It's part of a trilogy of books that are intersecting and defining concepts of identity with social pressures and ideals. She's also a podcaster of the podcast Madge, which I recently discovered and am in love with. It's available on SoundCloud, a great show where she unpacks and breaks down complex ideas that inform us or influence us, and she just has this wicked chilled out and patient way of delivery, so it's totally worth the listen. You will not... It's not hammer-headed like me and yelling in your speaker (laughs) she's she's on point megan's work is predominantly focused on the feminist the feminine side of the equation and the ideas i've been outlining in this intro are thematic within megan's larger body of work which you know and it continues to propel her inclinations academically and politically megan thanks for joining us did i sort of phrase you right did i introduce you right
1: yeah sounded good nothing inaccurate in that
0: thank god Cause I'm, that's, <laughs> that's my standard. actually.
1: <laughs> no inaccuracies, please.
0: And that's yeah. the thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm, my thing I want to start with is, do you think I'm, well, I want to talk about your book a little bit and like where that came from, but before I go there, I just want to know if, do you think I'm, I'm going to bait you? This is a total bait question. Uh, do you think it's unreasonable <laughs> or negating like to conflate the male journey with body image craziness, like to put it on par with the women's journey, do you think it, it's a little bit harmful or, you know, that, or at least harming our understanding to say, yeah, guys have it too. How just right there. Cause I think a lot of men may struggle with that concept. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of women do too, but do you, do you think it diminishes the yeah, women's, I mean... the understanding of the women when men conflate themselves too much into that stratosphere?
1: I mean, I don't know if diminish is the word I would use. I think that um, the female experience of having a body in America right now is very different from the male experience of having a body in America right now, but there definitely is some overlap there. Um, oh, and sure. I think that that's something that, that you know, as people try to be more intersectional and kind of open themselves up to the perspectives of other people, it's important to identify those overlaps, Right. Because patriarchy doesn't just hurt women, it also confines and hurts men. Uh, Racism doesn't just hurt people of color, it also confines and hurts um, white people. Not to the same extent, right? Like, there's we don't want to even it all out, we don't want to gloss over the fact that, yeah, women have a lot, uh, a lot of different stuff. And in a lot of cases, a lot of worse stuff to deal with than guys do. But there, I do think there's some overlap there.
0: Sure. I mean, and you, I love how you just dove right in there. Like, let's get those buzzwords. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Like <laughs> intersectionality.
1: Don't be scared. Patriarchy, racism, white people crazy.
0: Exactly. I, feel, <laughs> I love it. We're barely 10 minutes in. We got patriarchy. We got racism. We got everything up on the table. God I love you deeds. Um yeah, d- disclaimer disclaim- go for it. <laughs> disclaimer to the audience, uh, Megan and I were both we went to Carnegie Mellon University together so we are we do have a rapport that goes beyond the show. Um always admired how she works and thinks so so there's a little bit of simpatico going on here. Um Well let me before I do want to talk about this idea of patriarchy I want you to sort of frame it. Um and okay. then I, and then and I'm going to you know we're going to bring Nick in because his brow knit like 14 sweaters when you were talking. And I just want to know what what, what, what that was. he was like, what, huh? What'd you I say? Gotta
1: teach my brow to do that. What, what'd that, what that a sweater?
0: What'd you say now? Um, no, but, uh, and I'm sure Nick has <laughs> <laughs> Nick's educated, So I'm sure he has tons of opinions on this. Um, but what I, I guess where I wanted to go was, um, I, I, I agree with you to, to a huge, to a huge extent that we can't equalize, what I guess I'm getting at is how do you see the attempts at equalization let's let's pretend now for some reason we're gonna equalize we're gonna say men have it just as bad as women, right I, I agree with no, you let's
1: not do that okay
0: <laughs> yeah no but I, I agree with you like I'm yes, playing let's do that <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate in this respect so let's just let's just like uh-huh. all, like let's do the impossible let's do the thought exercise okay. and um if it's somehow equalized uh could that help normalize the topic? I'm not saying we should do this. I vehemently and adamantly disagree. But do you understand my point? Is that do you think that's, that maybe one of the things that we don't have enough um, examples of parallel for people to grab on and understand what what, what we're even talking about here? Do you get what, get what I'm getting at? I mean, at?
1: I think that... I think that uh, yeah, I, I do, and I think that um, rather than trying to equalize it, I would try to use the overlap that does exist to try to understand each other.
0: Can you give me right? more? Right, the, so the that?
1: community. Right, so like the community that you're coming from. Um, clearly, this community is very concerned with how a body looks. Right, and I think that men are subject to more pressure uh, as the years go on, as capitalism. Pounds it into our brains that we need to be more and more perfect and they can help us get there. Um, I think that that that's happening. But, you know, the experience of women is, I think, unique in this case. I think that yeah. there is a way that a woman's body is treated as currency in the culture that a man's body necessarily isn't. Perfect example. Um, whenever I'm watching TV with my husband and I see an ugly guy, I'm like, there wouldn't there's no way a woman who looks like that would be on TV, right? Tons of ugly guys on TV, almost no ugly women, right? So one and, example. and in of this what case, there there
0: is at least one ugly guy on a podcast in this case. So um the uh,
1: <laughs> you got a face for a podcast. I really <laughs> do have a face
0: for radio. Um <laughs> But honestly, you no. Know, and what you said there—it's interesting. I guess what it what it is is what you're getting at, and you can tell me how you respond to this. Um, men opt in to that. You're going to you 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 equated it with the capitalist, the transactional, which I agree with. Um, but men opt in there. It's like there's a maybe some men feel that they didn't, and I would imagine that's probably a common feeling. But that ultimately, uh, you know, a man can choose to be part of that dialogue or not be a part of that dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that's what I sort of hear you saying is that, for example, how, um, and now I'm pushing that racism button again, forgive me. We're an all white podcast today, folks. And we're going to talk about racism because that's what white people do.
2: Um, (laughs) but, but no,
0: the, uh, uh, but no, but how, you know, when you are a person of color, you know, Asian or black or native American or whatever, you know, however you identify, you kind of can't opt out of the dialogue of racism when you interact, um, the, the way, society sets up you know what i mean that white people we right, opt opt right. into the dialogue of, ra- of racism and so i think that that's right, what you're I mean, saying white here. maleness
1: yeah. yeah white maleness is the default perspective right and everyone else is a special interest group that's kind of how our culture is set up right now and i don't mean to say that in any hard and fast way like that's 100% true all the time sure, i'm just of course speaking not. in broad strokes right, right. um that like, OK, what like it's sort of like after the election when there was a big call from liberals to like stop talking about identity politics because it's so divisive. And, everyone like, talks agree about on things that. Yeah.
0: Everyone agrees. Conservative, about. liberal, like, okay, immediate, but, moderate. Everyone talks identity right, politics. But,
1: yeah. but, but what do we mean when we say stuff that, quote unquote, everyone cares about? Right. Because if you start pulling all the planks out of the progressive agenda that have to do with things that women are concerned about. People of color are concerned about, the disabled are concerned about, then what you're left with is stuff that white dudes care about, right? That's what I mean when I say white dudes are the default perspective. When we say everyone, we mean white dudes. So um, that's what I'm trying to avoid in my discussion of this
0: is that. um, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, that's the default. You know, everyone else is a special interest group, everyone else is has to appeal to the default perspective to be heard in some way.
0: And Nick, you have, you have sort of a, a libertarian leanings, uh, in general. Um, what, what is the, uh, how do, how do you respond to that? I mean, I hear that as even though my personal perspective on life couldn't be more radically different than normative, I get how, because of, you know, the, the, you know, this fate that I got dropped into, you know, I get why someone would say I'm, I'm considered in the normative, uh, population, even if my specific personal stuff isn't necessarily always in line with it um how do you, uh, do you do you agree with that as the other white guy standing around here
2: um or do you find i mean i don't out? know
0: i think that was a pretty
2: generalized you know statement and obviously um different people are going to be concerned with different things i mean I, I honestly like when it comes to myself yeah i guess i have libertarian leanings and um uh, I would consider myself like absolutely unequivocally on a fundamental level, very egalitarian. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. There, there's um, a lot of ways that like um, anyone could interpret what Megan was saying. And I think that I may have uh, interpreted it a little bit differently than how she meant it. Um, but I would venture to say, and correct me if I'm if I'm way off base with this, uh, when you talk about the default perspective being, you know, uh, whatever white male perspective, I, I would disagree with that because, you know, e- even setting setting something aside and saying, you know, um, what were you calling them special interest groups and stuff like that um, yeah. the to idea. relate to me, they yeah. have to like, you know, fall under some. Um, white male perspective yeah i mean i don't know i would strongly strongly disagree with that because at the end of the day there is no like um interest group for the white male perspective and everyone you know especially like um we hit the button you no, did no, it. no 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 no. that's out. Hear my point, me out.
1: That's you my point exactly you don't need one because 90 percent of the books you read in school are by what and by and about white guys and everyone's of the always telling, telling
2: us uh, what we should be thinking and what we are thinking and i i just think it's 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 absolutely ridiculous to just generalize everything like that and break it down uh to such minutiae um and at the end of the day like i think um I don't know. I'm not trying to jump into a fucking vat of hot water here. No, no, Um, no, 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 no. no.
0: I guess I guess I hear you. I hear you touching on an existential point, which I don't think is necessarily out of line. Existentially, you may be right um, when you talk about the grand scheme of human experience. But I think that what Megan's talking about is the machine that I evoked at the top of the show, which is okay. We're talking looking at body image. We're looking at let's boil it back down to the example, because that may help help us out and, and put the rudder back on the boat here. If we talk about, yeah, I totally
2: started rambling there. No, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. That's what I wanted because both of you took my bait, Ha-ha! <laughs> and that bait was uh, a, a question, and this is this is sort of one of the reasons why I brought you back on in the sidecar, Nick, because you know I know that you get it, even though yeah, you're going to have contrary ideas. Is the when a guy jumps in to this arena and says, you know what, I am going to commodify, I'm going to commodify my body does what, what arena like the fitness uh, arena let's put it into fitness let's say okay i want to walk around and have awesome instagram selfies of my abs that's what i'm
2: that
0: <laughs> that's that's what it's all about look at these packs that's the arena so, yeah, i would that's say it, that's, that's right? today's
2: currency you know right
0: and that's that's, that's what Me- and that's what megan means by it's commodified i think and what i'm mm-hmm. saying so a guy jumps in he says you know what, i'm gonna buy into it megan do you think that buy-in harms the fact that women are like hey i didn't buy in and i'm trying to get out of this system do you think no that there's a, an, i don't an, okay. i don't interesting i would disagree I think, there um, <laughs> maybe i'm the liberal no
1: <laughs> i mean i mean i don't know that it's that it harms women like i don't care if a guy wants to do a million sit-ups <laughs> and get a good looking set of abs like do what you i don't want. mean it's it i don't abs, mean it that direct. i don't
0: mean it that directly i mean once we enter the machine yeah. of it when we enter the machine
1: right well and and that's something that's interesting when you talk about the machine of it, because the machine of it is operating on all of us all the time.
0: Right. Whether right. we
1: realize it or not. Right. So it operates on us in different ways. And I'm not saying when I talk about like white males or people of color or whatever, I'm not saying there's any like essentialist thing right. in a white man that makes him different right, from right, right. a white woman or a black woman. I'm not saying there's anything like intrinsically different about people. It's all in how we're shaped by our culture. It's all in how we're treated by our culture, right? So the messages that you get as a little boy, a little white boy, are different from the messages that you get as a little white girl, and that shapes you. Right. Um, So it's not like, I don't think that like black men are walking around or, or white men are walking around with like a big hole where their heart used to be like that's not <laughs> what I'm saying I'm just saying we're all shaped differently by the forces that are clearly at work in our culture. Can you ground so when you talking
2: I mean everyone is going to experience you know different things just from the input that they receive um based on their surroundings and if if I can jump into what Christian was saying um, and I think we started to go in that direction. I might be jumping the gun and I'm not trying to, but, um, I, I don't think I get defensive about, um, like the whole fitness industry, maybe a little bit when I hear people talk about external influences or what the world expects them to be or appear as or whatever. Um, but I think I do get a little bit defensive, I guess, uh, now that I'm processing it. But, um, I think at the end of the day, this is, this is my perspective personally, um, you are going to value your physique on a level that is based on your own psychological perspective. Um, someone's body is something that is totally within their control. They have absolutely, um, thanks to modern science, uh, exercise, you can literally look however you want to look.
0: Um, based on
1: hard, disagree, hard, disagree on that. I mean, that's no,
2: no, that's fine. Keep going. going And then I do, please, Nick,
0: keep, keep going. And then Megan, I I do want to hear you just because I love, I love what's about to happen. I I do want to hear what she has to say. Absolutely. Um, But I was
2: just going to say, I think it's totally within your control. You know, if you want to have, like you were talking about that guy with his set of abs, or if you want to have, you know, some people go for cosmetic surgery, like whatever you want to do, you can choose to look that way. Um, And that's within your control. Um, um anyways what i'm saying is um people are going to value their physiques at a certain level and there's nothing wrong with any any perspective based on that you know what i mean there is no judgment or there shouldn't be i'm sorry there shouldn't be judgment around that whether someone wants to go to the gym or doesn't want to go to the gym or whether someone wants to be the most jacked guy in the world or whether someone doesn't give a shit um there shouldn't be judgment surrounding that but i just wanted to say that like I think there are some external influences, you know, in the sense that um, we do value other people's physiques as well, which is why you were saying, Megan, kind of sex sells. You know what I mean? Whether it's on TV or an advertisement or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, I think how people choose to interpret that doesn't necessarily need to apply to them. Like if you're comfortable walking around however you want to look, um, the world isn't telling each and every one of us, we have to look a certain way. Well,
0: awesome. may, and, and maybe it is, but Megan, I want to, I want you to respond first. Cause I, I, I you got that visceral response that I want to capture.
1: Yeah. So, so my hard disagree, first of all, was that to the idea that everyone has control over what their body looks like. That's just not true. Um, now, before I you go forward, Megan,
0: before you go forward, I want to hear yeah. just brief interruption. That is ironically mm-hmm. a con- considered a virtue in that the, the industry that Nick evoked, which I agree is a false one. But it's it. it you're 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 actually that's exactly how I wanted you on this on the show, because you're so outside of people who perceive that virtue that I'm really interested in this perspective. Go on.
1: Yeah. So um, so, you know, there's a whole there's a whole. Millions of people in the world who do not have control over how their bodies look right. They don't have money to go to the gym or eat a lot of high protein foods. Maybe they're like me and they get fat. And, you know, the only way to not be fat once you're fat is basically starve yourself. Especially if you're a woman and middle-aged, 95% of people who try to lose weight fail.
0: And also, it's, it, 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 begs, it begs really the understand. issue of where fat is. It yeah. begs the issue of where fat is at that point.
2: Yeah, it's and really I it. think some of that's right. based on you know ed- education surrounding exercise and stuff uh, like that, like a, yeah, a lot of society. Uh, I think Megan hit the button uh, with Marnie. I don't
1: know. Our, our culture, Like we have a couple of things going on in our culture that have never happened in human history before. One of them is uh, the fact that we have a huge amount of food around us mm. that we have never, ever had. It's designed to trick us into eating way too much of it. It's designed to make us eat too much. It's designed to be extra delicious, extra salty, extra fatty, extra sweet. And so some what? people have some people have more of a susceptibility to that than others. And those patterns are laid down in childhood and they can be um, – really hard to shift, then there's people mm-hmm. who are are have disabilities who do not have control over how their body looks. If you're in a wheelchair, you're not going to get jacked calves. It's
2: just no, never going to No, I understand that. And I'm talking <laughs> right. about within reason. When we when we look at the broad right. spectrum of things, there are, the no, male, no, there are foods so out the there. The
1: able-bodied white male perspective is the default perspective. There are other perspectives. When you say everyone has control over how their body looks, it's not true, right? And then when I say, give you examples of how that's not true. You're like, oh, well, I wasn't talking about them. You said everybody. Who did you mean? That's exactly the point that I'm getting to.
0: I I think that when we see every. Yeah. And this isn't about grilling you, Nick. This is about. Yeah.
1: It's really not Not sure it is.
0: (laughs) It's about making
1: the point that when we say everybody, who do we mean by that? Who do we mean by everybody?
0: Well, when you Um, say, you know,
1: are we including yeah. actually everybody in that word or are we including people that we identify with?
2: No, absolutely. I was guilty of generalizing. Um, and so were you with all due respect. Um, you know, when you say right. there are certain people, uh, yeah, habits are hard to shift. You grow up eating a certain particular way that can be difficult to to transition into eating, you know, whatever healthier foods or portion control or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. Those are hard habits to shift. Um, And in the same sentence, you know, I would I would absolutely say, you know, in society, a lot of the same examples that you gave surrounding food uh, can be said for drugs or alcohol, stuff like that. Um, And those are all, you know, perspectives where people look at it and say objectively, okay, if you want to find a way to live a different lifestyle, you have the power to do that. Um, and there's a lot of that right,
1: Live a different lifestyle is different from you can make your body look the way you want to. And this right. is a crucial point. A I'm, point. I'm involved with a group called Health at Every Size. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind Health at Every Size is that it doesn't the way your body looks, the amount of weight you're carrying is irrelevant. The thing that is correlated with healthy outcomes in the human body is healthy mm-hmm. habits.
2: Yeah, I would agree so, with that you absolutely.
1: Know, as fat as I am, I have very healthy habits. My blood work is great. I can walk I'm all sure day. It's better I'm, than
2: mine, yeah, to the, the reverse exactly.
0: To the <laughs> reverse of that, Megan. The irony <laughs> is that that you just you actually just stepped in it in a perfect way because the in so many people involved with the lifting pursuits, they are internally rather unhealthy. Like diagnostically, oh, yeah, I, oh it is. I don't it's ironic that. disagreement the, on any side yeah, there. Yeah, um, the external beauty health, does not mimic Yeah, yeah, side.
2: no, when we talk about health and what people look like, those are absolutely, I consider those two different arenas. Um, right, I am, so I th- I am not people, liking either of
1: those. Can in, people can increase their health through healthy habits. People cannot make their body look however they want it to through I healthy think, habits. I, I'm never i never going to be a size two. I wasn't a size two when I was 10 years old, right? Like, just <laughs> not. that's not... Like you're, no, of is never going to be an NBA basketball player, right? Like there's there's mm-hmm. things that you can't change about your body.
2: No, of course, I'm never going to be and 20 again, years
1: old again, right? Yeah, so, okay. Let's
2: not vilify me based oh, on. Oh no, you're not on, being vilified. I'm not you know,
1: no, no, no. Hear like, me out. Let's I'm not. I'm trying to take your apart your statement because I think no, that your statement is Great-neck, very demonstrative neck. of a lot of the things that I'm talking about. That's
2: all. And- and like I said, I, I was guilty of generalizing in that moment. But I think within reason, if someone wants to look a certain way, um, again, they may have to make some sacrifices or settle in certain ways. You know, uh, I'm never going to be six foot seven. You know what I mean? I'm never going to be um, the perfect proportionate bodybuilder. Like I'm I'm six three. You know what I mean? Like any guy who's very, very successful on stage is much shorter than that. Uh, you just look a lot bigger. Let me, let me interject um, there, though, at, Nick. A few inches shorter.
0: And just, uh, just real quickly, it's and and I and I I apologize. I my my heart's racing. You guys are great. I love this. That's why I have not interrupted because (laughs) both of you are represent. I did not plan it this way. I swear to God, I didn't plan it this way. But both of you representing,
2: um,
0: (laughs) I really didn't. I I swear I didn't. Um, But honestly, are representing um, thought narratives that we have going on not only in the nation but certainly specifically around the idea of you know. The way we address our body and it's wonderful to see them clash and interact to that end nick i want to be clear that um and uh, megan i don't want to i'm not trying to be dip- overly diplomatic but I, I think when megan was unpacking <laughs> she was trying to not vilify you personally but rather say how we can hear the echoes of these themes in the casual things we say even if we didn't think it in our head that way that that's just how we've No, we were that, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I just wasn't having the wherewithal to uh Of course. To, of course. What do you call uh filter that statement and take sure. into consideration exactly what uh, what I was saying and how I was saying it?
0: Absolutely. I, I'm guilty that's, of that. But like that and I that's I the problem I think in that in in society when especially when you look at women. Yeah, cuz you do hear that echo. Oh I, my yeah, gosh. Like that. beyond the echo. I mean for women it's like a it's like a drum in the ear I would imagine. I mean I'm not a woman. I mean yeah. I mistaken mean, for one. Yeah. I mean but,
1: this is something and this is the reason that I even got into this this line of um writing or these thematic concerns in my writing is because every woman I know has some crazy shit in her head about her body. either her uh, like I have a very dear friend who is gorgeous. she's forty four. she looks like she's twenty five. She's beautiful. she's perfect. And she goes to the store to buy clothes, and she's like, "Oh my God, I'm deformed." like my torso is so long compared to my legs. I'm like really you're deformed? Really? Like let's calm down a minute. But this is a this is, a, this, is a, this is universal among women. And I make very few universal statements me, in life, but let unif- me yeah, let me make a a, yeah.
0: a quick interjection historically to that end, Megan. Um, And how it is universal. The idea of standardization, off-the-rack sizes. This is actually, most people don't know this, it's a military invention. Obviously, they were, you know, everything was custom-tailored to, you know, haberdashery to a point. Even among people without income, you had to sort of make your own clothes. The military obviously needed better solutions as we entered the 20th century. And so they started trying to take measurements of people and standardize it. Lo and behold, who do you think they were measuring? The most average dude they could find who happened to be this one white dude. He's, He's... You Dig it up in the history. I'll have to dig it up for the show notes. But the point is, is that it took them a good 30 or 40 years to even come up with anything resembling sizes that we know today. And it was really, it was about that idea of standardizing the people based on this one military experience. Now I'm not sitting here saying that therefore sizes are, you know, the military machine tromping through our personal lives. I'm not evoking that at all. But it does uh, comment on how, this nation's interests were always toward an idea of finding a norm. The people who were in power of the military at that time were clearly a, a you know white landholding, whatever you want to call it, class, and that's what established the standardization. Now that trickles out to women's sizes as a form of how do we sell them? Yeah. Obviously, we maintain the yeah, sizes uh- and we remove the customization. And you get this message of, yeah. of messing with your head because I my torso is too long for this ideal that was created 80 years ago and is a silly concept. You know what I mean? Um, but now it's just normative. Yeah, and, it's just and normative. I think it's
1: it's also it's also an artifact of where we come from as a culture, right? Like because, you know, going way, way back, the thing that a man's body is supposed to be is strong. And the thing that a woman's body body is supposed to be is appealing to a man. Um, and because, you know, we couldn't participate fully in society. Our role was to hook up with a man and that is how we participated in society. Mm. We couldn't vote. We couldn't own land. We couldn't earn a fortune. We couldn't even have a credit card until 1975. Right. So without some dude signing for it for us. So, um, a woman's body is currency in a way, historically, in a way that a man's really hasn't been Right. right. Like, um, a rich man can get a hot, young, beautiful wife. Even to this day, you see it all over the world. Um, does a oh, rich that, woman with, get a hot, endurance. young, beautiful husband? Not so much. A woman's body, A woman's worth is. Well, let me finish. A woman's <clears throat> worth is located in her body, mm. and Soci- society don't worth, get yeah. to decide what the worth of our body, our worth, our worth in the culture. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we don't get to decide what that worth is. The worth that's assigned to us is assigned by what men think of our bodies. It's not like, oh, I am beautiful. Therefore, I am going to go get me a rich man. Like (laughs) if you if you are if you do happen to be beautiful in a way that men find attractive, then that might be a possibility. But just thinking it, if you're a normal looking girl, isn't going to get you there. So there is an ideal. There is a a sense of um, what you are. What you are worth as a human being is tied up in how your body looks that I think doesn't historically exist for men to the same extent. I think that um, historically men's value is more tied up in how strong they are and how much wealth they have, both of which are um, easier, I think, to operate on and to change for your own purposes than is your native uh, attractiveness as decided on by the culture. So that's my point there is that um, a woman's worth is tied up in how her body looks and a man's worth is tied up in what his
0: body can do. Which is obviously what you work work, against. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, my work is to try to, to, to take the emphasis off the way your body looks, right? Like in my book, I have a chapter called Features Versus Benefits, right? Any salesman will tell you, no one cares about features. This car has a sound system. It has a cup holder. Uh, no one gives a shit. People want to know, like, (laughs) can I put my soda here? Can I listen to my music? Like those are the benefits. So what I'm trying to help women do is to disrupt this conditioning that tells us what we are, what we are worth is tied up in how our body looks. And instead take that power back inside of our own bodies so that we can experience our worth in terms of what our bodies can do and how um, how we can enjoy them, how we can use them to appreciate the world, how we can use them to contribute to the world.
0: Which is an irony. I think that's one of the reasons why there is sometimes a confusion within the fitness arena because there is, and I, now I'm speaking you know, on behalf of, and I shouldn't, but um, there is a strong movement. I tried to get one of my favorite show regulars for this episode, within um, women's strength that isn't necessarily driven by strength standards, but exactly the principle you are. Now, it's a, it's a very splinter off sort of movement where it's about, hey, why can't you exercise because you are getting something fulfilling out of it without the predicate of, like you're saying, it must be for some other checkmark of approval exter- externally, and it it's a huge movement. And so I think that's one of the things is that that movement is, and it's, but it's niche. You don't see it on the outside of, the, of our arena. You see it primarily on the inside of our arena. And I think that that conditions, unfortunately, I should say, permits a lot of men involved in these arenas to say, well, wait a minute yeah there are like yeah no there are women who have broken free of it it's sort of the it's similar to how like when a little progress is made people think that any lack of progress is a thing of the past somehow and so there's a stranger it's that it's that kind of logic yeah. happens within the bodybuilding and strength world which is um it's interesting so when a voice comes in from the outside and says hey You know what? Uh, Historically around uh, how women's bodies are commodified, we're saying because we're seeing an example very vividly where that's not true. It's almost easy to say, huh, what are you talking about? You know, like we're we've fixed it over here and we really haven't, obviously, because as I was mentioning earlier, I do I do think that my buy in to saying to to certain aesthetic principles, not how I want to look. That's different. That's my personal existential thing. But my buy-in to certain systems uh, that sort of like thematically encourage that idea of everyone should be st- like, that this is what we all agree is the best and I'm buying into that mm-hmm. product or service or thing or gym or whatever that I can accidentally, like it's, you know, like, uh, here's a better example. If I bought... Um, lots of Coca-Cola, I'm accidentally pushing the agenda of Coca-Cola, right? Like, even if I just like yeah, the yeah. But, I, but I like the flavor of Coke. What's the harm in a Coke? You know, that's what we think. But it's so easy right. in the in the pursuit of, like, you know, working on yourself and your aesthetic. It's so easy to accidentally place those buy-ins. And then when someone says, hey, you're buying in, say, whoa, 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 buddy. I'm not buying into nothing here. Um, and we forget that, right. one, that historically one of the victims have been like the women's side, not just within art. Now I have to go outside of the niche of lifting. Globally, it's been the women. You know, that's been the the, the biggest downfall. I mean, but uh, the I, I think that the beauty industry and the strength industry and the bodybuilding industry, the fitness industry, whatever industry you want to talk about. Once you start talk about industry, you talk about standardization, and where that means there must be standards. The people who set the standard are the ones who then proliferate that standard, and if it is a bunch of guys saying chicks should look like this. And that's the standard they go forward with. Well, like Megan said, how else is a woman going to woman going to get in the game in her mind? Like I'm just speaking now out of turn, but, but to play along with that thing and get in there. Um, once a woman stands outside right, of it, she's ostracized. Yeah.
1: And for so long, that was literally our only way to right. get power. Right. Right. In, in the culture was by leveraging our physicality to get men right to do shit for us <laughs> that was like basically the only way we could do anything and of course there's there's women for whom that weren't that wasn't true right? right there was florence nightingale there was harriet tubman there was eleanor roosevelt there were women who did break out of that all through history i'm talking in broad strokes for most people right. that's how it worked you grew up you tried to work uh, as much as you could with what you got so you could get a man yeah. and that was the whole goal of life and the embodiment of a woman was all about getting a man. It and wasn't about enjoying her body for its own purpose.
0: I think that one of the things that we have to do. I mean, um, and I think that, uh, and, and Nick, you had a point you wanted to make earlier, but but this is this is this this is like the problem is that so much of this dialogue does go high into the stratosphere. And so once we start going conceptual and speaking broad, like we've all said today, we've all made generalizations, we've all made presumptions, and it goes so broad. So what do we do now? This is going out listeners if you were here for the bodybuilding i apologize it's going away for five minutes what do we do <laughs> in your opinion with what i call feminism fatigue with the idea that the dialogue itself is beginning to to people react with fatigue even before they've listened the first reaction is shut it down because i can't i can't today you know like how do we yeah i mean re it
1: my first re I want to be compassionate to that, but I also am just like, "Well, fuck you! I don't get to not, <laughs> not engage with it. You need to deal with it. Right, like, right, right, right. Fucking man up and deal with it. You're supposed <laughs> to be strong,
0: right? Deal
1: with it. Um, and I think this is why it's important for people with privilege to listen to people without privilege. And by right? privilege, and by woman, privilege, I'm you mean
0: even... they they don't have to talk about this every day. By that that privilege, you mean.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. So like, um, you know, and I'm in a unique position as a white woman because I have privilege compared to people of color. I do not have privilege compared to white men. So I know what it's like for guys to say shit to me, like, um, Oh, show me the law that lets guys discriminate against women. And that means that sexism's over. Right. I know what it's like to have guys say that to me. And then I've also been the person who says that, To people of color, right? Hmm. So like my goal as a white woman is to be as coachable on matters of race as I wish men were on matters of gender.
0: Hmm. Interesting. But
1: on a personal level, when someone feels feminism fatigue or wokeness fatigue or whatever we want to call it, (laughs) I would encourage them to just sit with it, to breathe to understand that the discomfort that they're feeling is not really that bad in comparison to the oppression that other people are suffering what was that you're doing a good job
0: (laughs) (laughs) no honestly and Megan to Nick's defense he's actually one of the most liberal-minded men I know he just fronts the whole Nazi thing because it's you know I don't know it's his. It's his. It's his <laughs> thing. Fucking Nazi. I'm not liberal either. Jesus. Christ. Oh my God, you're so liberal. No, oh my God. <laughs> liberal minded. No, Nick, I mean, Nick and... I mean, I mean, liberal minded, meaning plastic minded, flexible. That's what i mean. Yeah, I try to be teachable. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean,
1: part of me. Yeah, and that that's that's all you can do, right? Like that's the goal. Like I I heard a um a talk given by a woman who breaks down what she coined as fra- white fragility, which is exactly what you're talking about when people people are just like how dare you i'm a good person i how dare you think that i would do like that um she tells a story of being in a group with a bunch of people of color and asking them like what would it mean to you if white people were just coachable on matters of race instead of freaking out every time you brought it up and they said it would be revolutionary hmm. so um being nick, coachable- nick you're the future makes, you're the future you're revolutionary. Nick. yeah being you are the future. is what it's all about, and I need to be coachable too. You know, so yeah.
2: and I, I yeah, appreciate. And it's difficult to hear something that uh, contradicts our perspective of things, right? Because it puts all of our values at risk, essentially. Right, uh, right. Whether we believe that consciously or not, there is some like level of always wanting to fight back, um, no matter what our values are. Uh, but at the end of the day, I guess it's like where this whole conversation is going. You know, yeah, it makes me uncomfortable to hear stuff like that because we've all had to come through our own set of, um, you know, I don't want to say persecutions because that sounds so melodramatic. But, you know, our own uh, we've all had our own personal struggles. We've all had our own battles Um, and it's hard to, to
0: step out of that uniqueness. Right.
2: Yeah. We've all been stereotyped in some way. You know what I mean? Like growing up, I was like such a dork. I was bullied so badly in school. It was, it was f- atrocious. Um, now everyone writes me off, right? Oh, you are just like a dumb meathead or whatever. Um, well, and that's I, what you know, I, that's what I was that.
0: thinking. That's what I, I had. To... <laughs>
2: and I hate it. You know what I mean? Like I hate hearing that shit, but like, and the other part of me is like, oh, I can't even say that to people. Cause like, like I can't tell them how much I hate that. Cause they're just going to be like, Oh, be quiet. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, yeah. It would poor, be a handsome, off.
0: well-built um, white guy. You poor thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but like, obviously I want to be taken seriously when I say something because, you know, uh, it, it is something that I give a lot of thought. So my perspective, you know, seeing from my side, you know, all ends of the spectrum and being involved in the communities that I've been involved in and, and seeing how that stuff affects people's lives. Um, in a number of different ways uh, that I won't get into right now, but just like, um, you know, I think having a pretty broad ranged uh, perspective on things, I tend to err on the side of like, you know, everyone should just accept everyone as they are. Like I said, very egalitarian. Just do you be aware of like what people voice like when you Megan say something to me. Um, my, my instinct is obviously to defend my own like values or my own perspective but at the end of the day like logically when i look at it i'm like hey how about i like shut the fuck up for a second cuz here's someone who's been doing this for a couple decades longer than me is far more educated than me um and she probably has you know something very valuable to say um and that doesn't mean Can I that applaud? It has- I know. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm getting well, no, misty. Nick, I'm getting misty here, dude.
2: <laughs> that doesn't mean that like, it's uh an affront to me or what I believe or anything right. like that. Right. Like I can listen to what people are saying without, um, like you see that shit on Facebook all the time where like these, you know, either like super hyper liberals are like, we're being victimized at every turn. And then you get the ultra white conservative men who are like, I got being victimized like, on you, like this isn't snowflake. No yeah. yeah, exactly. Like everything's yeah. equal, and it's like I can really see both perspectives, um, which is a you know very frustrating, but also very enabling. I guess is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, it's
0: it's. I mean, and by see both perspectives, you mean understand the narratives they came from, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Megan, and i think go ahead. I mean,
1: just I to just to just to respond to Nick for a second, I really appreciate you saying that, Nick. I think it's awesome and um and i feel like that feeling that you have when someone stereotypes you as a meathead this is what i was talking about earlier that like that like not to say that um like that that feeling that you have that can help you empathize with the feelings other people have when they're stereotyped as a thug or as a fat chick or whatever and that i think is is a really good thing to note like we all have that feeling, and we can use that sense of overlap to try to understand each other better.
0: Or as a loudmouth who has a really clunky podcast, I mean, the stereotyping is out of control. Hey, no, just, <laughs> Megan,
2: this yeah, was. Everyone knows your type is to
0: blame. Every, Christian. right? Every, every, uh, this is, this is really, this was a great discussion. I mean, it was heated, it was intense. I, I appreciate both of you. I mean, I, I applaud both of you. I, I'm just, I actually literally applauded because I forgot this was an audio medium. Um, this was remarkable. Megan, I really appreciate it. I mean, it's not a settleable topic. Most we can do is like Megan is saying, like Nick is saying, is Nick is saying, be coachable. Megan is saying, you know, use your experience to overlap. It's interesting how the approach you guys share identically in spite of the fact that our narratives are the only thing that we're like quibbling over. It's like, how did I get to where I am? And and that's, well, we should be quibbling over that. We should try to find that. That's what both of you are really saying, which I think is You know, when we put it back into the context now and to wrap this up of how we treat our bodies, we have to remember that this whole thing, this whole background noise is going on in there. And, you know, whether it's a pressure, whether it's a result, we can that's a chicken and the egg for another show. But it's in there. And I just love the fact that there was this very broad sense of like willingness. God, you guys are an example. I did not see this coming. I'm like so proud of both of you. I'm like. I just sat there listening, being like, wow, I wish I was half this smart. Um, Megan, thanks for much, so much for being on the show. Plug your book. G- g- give me your book again, just so I can oh, plug this. Okay. Properly.
1: Yeah. So my book is called Be Less Crazy About Your Body. Um, there is a very funny story in there of when I uh, tried out for the Miss Pittsburgh pageant. And Stop I ended it. up winning the talent
0: show. Stop. <laughs> Stop. You were Miss Yinzer. Oh, I love this. This is great. Uh,
1: I was. I was... I was Ms. Pittsburgh because I was 23. I was too old to be Miss Pittsburgh. I love it. So I was Ms. Pittsburgh talent queen. And I won that by singing Angel of the Morning and rolling around (laughs) in a garbage heap in my nightgown.
0: That's pretty much how I wake up in the morning myself. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's that story. And I think the thing that people like about my book and the thing that I'm really proud that I achieved with my book is that there are concrete things that you can do in there to break down this conditioning that you are what your body looks like, that your worth is determined by the size of your ass. Like there, are, there are things you can do to right. break that down so that you can let go of that and just live your life. Cause I mean, yep. if we, if we all stopped worrying about how our bodies looked like we would have all this shit solved by tomorrow, <laughs> like it would free up such a huge amount of energy. We could solve right. global warming in no time.
0: The, uh, so that's the, what my book is about. Where can people get it? Like, give me the just quick uh, two seconds. Where can people get it?
1: Um, You can get it on Amazon um, or you can just go to my website, be less crazy. And you'll see a picture of me there in a vintage bathing suit (laughs) and you just click on it and it takes you right to the book.
0: You, 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 I, for a minute, I thought you were going to give them the my website, which is be way more batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> anyway, do you mind sticking around to the end of the show after I do all the announcements and everything? Yeah, sure. For just one second? Um That does it for this episode. Thanks for stepping inside the Big Inside. Don't forget, folks, this show more than ever, we love being told our head is up our ass or up in the clouds. Whether you agree, whether you disagree, what you like, what you dislike – Please give us feedback at thebiginside.com, or join the discussion on our Facebook page. We love hearing from you guys. You guys are, you know, crucial voices in the show. Today's show, the sponsors. I'll do these quick and dirty, folks. Sponsored by Saisei Sports, S-A-I-S-E-I Sports, makers of the new pre-workout formula, Wrecked. Here's the deal. We were talking about understanding stuff. Well, here's something you didn't understand. Did you know that the majority of products out there are not made with the highest grade ingredients? So while what they say is on the label is in the label, they're chincing you just to get some money. It's the capitalist machine, folks. Well, Saisei Sports, for for thinking. All the ingredients, highest quality. Forget what you know about pre-workout formulas because they actually, you know, found the best stuff. Higher quality means you use less, you save more money. Look at that. We've gone proletariat by scooping pre-workout. Just kidding. But seriously, Rekt, it's amazing stuff. Forget what you know. Try rect Pre-Workout, R-E-K-T. You can learn more at saisaysports.com. The program has also been sponsored by the Next Level Leadership Program based in Boston. The Next Level Leadership Program has been the premier program created by the Phys Academy to help those with a passion for strength, sports, and bodybuilding use their talents to create real-world leadership, kind of like the leadership principle we're talking about. Imagine if you could take what you know, what you do, apply it to business, personal growth, politics, whatever form, and yet still stay cl- tied very closely to the thing you're passionate about. Learn more at the nextlevel.me. That's nextlevel.me. And lastly, brought to you by Scorpio Creative. It's a boutique design, branding, marketing firm that specializes in small businesses, probably like yours, maybe not, who knows, but let's say you need a logo. Let's say you need an image. Let's say you're racking your your head against the wall. How do I not get overcharged? How do I get just the right size? Contact Scorpio Creative at scorpiocreative.com. They're going to get your marketing up and running today at the price you can afford. Remember, folks, the big inside. Independently funded. So we rely on you, stunningly gorgeous people. When I say stunningly gorgeous, I don't mean the white man's version of stunningly gorgeous. I mean independently beautiful. See what I did there, folks? But you guys, you keep us going. If you like what you hear on The Big Inside, please consider dropping a few bucks in our virtual bucket of love at our website, TheBigInside.com. Your generosity is not only appreciated, we're going to talk about you on the air. Yes, we will gossip live about you. In fact, hump our leg completely. Become a sponsor of The Big Inside. We have a huge and growing audience. I mean this, people. I was looking at the metrics. I was getting so thrilled. I'm like, oh my God, our audience is back. Hundreds and thousands of people. You have to get your product out in front of them. Info is on the website. We love selling your stuff, and the karma is real. Now is the point in the show. After we got all that business out of the way, called The Inside Drive, where we make a personal recommendation, talk about a personal goal, or an ideal behavior or thought or thing personal quest whatever you want to call it that we're going to be working on for the next week that we think is worthwhile to mention to you guys that you guys might also be into nick what's your deal for the week what's your what's your mojo gonna be tell me it's gonna mojo yeah what tell me it's gonna be buying and reading megan's book right now what is it
2: actually i thought about (laughs) it um no i'm it's funny you'll like it uh, yeah (laughs) It is I'm just going to try to stop procrastinating, just like I nice. get, get
0: stuff done the first time. So, Nick is in for no procrastination. Megan, what do you got? What's your big, like, personal? I'm going to better my business this week.
1: Uh, mine is to spend as much time as possible outside,
0: yeah, uh, because
1: the world is fucking Bananagrams right now, <laughs> and looking at a lake helps with that a lot.
0: <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I have a yeah. river near me, and I'm all about the river. Uh, for me, yeah, mine this week. <laughs> okay, so I found this great recipe for protein bread made with almond butter. I know I sound wonky as hell, God. but I am living. No, you awful. have no idea. I am living off of almond. Pro... Oh, it sounds terrible, but it's the greatest thing. I am like. I've probably eaten this, so I'm all about, this week, my entire week is defined by almond protein bread. I am so proud of myself. I love it. I'll get sick of it in a week. So that's my <laughs> thing for the week. I'm terrible. Megan, <laughs> this I is- I know more
1: about that, Christian. Right. Yeah.
0: Thanks again to Megan Dietz for joining us. Megan, it was awesome having you. Seriously, thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for chatting, for chatting and hanging out. Oh, thank
0: you. Yeah, thanks, good. Megan. And also, yeah. Nick, thanks so much for sitting in the sidecar once again. No problem it was fun okay now he's like all quiet thanks nick um today's show was produced by the physiculture collaborative whose gender product ah, po- eh, whose gender politics are considered completely unconstitutional i'm christian Madey, aka xn for the big inside that's your workout for your ears this week reminding you that no matter what you do on your outside what makes it big is what's found on the inside thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later